In this episode, we talk about positive signs that suggest you're in a healthy relationship. We explore 10 hallmarks of healthy relationships, and we make some suggestions for putting them into practice. We compare dysfunctional relationships to the Star Trek mirror universe. You're such a nerd. <laughs> we reveal the single greatest factor that determines relationship satisfaction. Ew. All this and more right, right now. now. Hi. I'm Marco. And I'm Heather. We invite you on a journey of discovery as we explore techniques, tools, and inspiration to better our love lives and our sex lives. Join us as we travel the world, seeking out the stories that can help improve how we do romance and relationships. Come with us as we discover how, how to, to love, love forever. forever. Greetings, love bugs. Hey, love bugs. How's it going? Or greetings, lovebirds. Hey, lovebirds, how's it going? I suppose maybe last week you were lovebugs, now you're lovebirds. I think we're evolving, because love is an evolutionary thing. Next week, love puppies. I don't know, why not? Yeah, I think we skipped the great lizards entirely, because, you know, you could have been love velociraptors. Well, they are known for their fantastic relationship and community building. Velociraptors, they are wise that way. I mean, they do hunt in packs. They're all about cooperation. They are cooperating. As they come in from the <laughs> so what are we doing here and they're into stalking jeff goldblum anyways hi there <laughs> i don't know yes hi and welcome to today's episode of how to love forever the podcast that explores love relationships and sex stuff my name is marco and i'm heather and in today's episode we are discussing 10 elements of healthy relationships we researched a variety of articles written by experts and distilled what they had to say down into our own words and we also cross-checked against our own experience as a real world example just to see if these little points had any credence Honestly, I'm really glad that we're doing this episode this week because last week it was a bit of a heavy episode. Yeah, yeah. Dysfunction is, it, it takes the fun out of dysfunction. Really. It really does. Yeah. And we had to obviously make that episode because it's part of relationship health to be able to identify dysfunction. However, this time around, it's going to be much nicer to listen to. We get to focus more on the light side of love. You know, light, dark, it's all important. We need to know what's what. And today, let's have fun with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We hope it makes sense to you and that you get a little something out of it. And if you do, definitely reach out to us and uh, leave a comment or start a conversation with us. We put together this list of 10 things that are part of a healthy relationship and what makes a healthy relationship heather oh gosh well there are all sorts of things that make a healthy relationship both partners need to feel connected to each other and satisfied with where the relationship goes connected to each other and satisfied with the relationship trajectory that's a good way to put it that is like relationship health in its most succinct nutshell yes yeah i'm guessing that's easier said than done though right absolutely yeah unfortunately 40 to 50 percent of marriages end in divorce it turns out youch that is heavy as well but there are many hallmarks that we can strive for and choose to develop together there are plenty of ways that we can take the temperature of our relationship you know, orally. And here are 10 of the top signs you're doing it right. I mean, some people may like it rectally. What's no judgment? No judgment. Told you it was going to be about sex stuff. Sex stuff. Clue number one is that there's mutual trust in your relationship. Couples that are developing successfully, they have no lack of trust regarding the topics of things like finances, 
fidelity, parenting style, their future together, friends, or any other area in their relationship. Each individual has faith that the other member can handle these things with integrity, effectiveness. So very little energy has to be spent concerning oneself with these basics, which reduces anxiety in the relationship. It's kind of like how our brains function. So, so our brain is wired for efficiency and laziness, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> No, mine is, is more the latter than the former, but yeah. <laughs> well, and because of that, it, it's a it's a neurological understanding that if we can create these shortcuts, we can save our energy for more important things. So we don't pay attention to our surroundings when we're in familiar areas as much because we already know what's around us. We can pay attention to the more important things. In our relationships, if we already know that the basics are covered, then we can save our energy for the more important thing. I see what you mean, that there's a biological aspect to having that kind of relationship stability with mutual trust. You're right. Human beings and animals, biology in general, is geared toward the conservation of energy by creating good systems that just run as efficiently as possible. That's kind of how you describe nature in general. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it makes sense that mutual trust in things like your finances and your future and like all of these areas of relationship, that they are just something to strive for. Mm -hmm. Because that way you can take your energy and instead of being concerned about all of these little details, you can get on with greater expressions of your lives together. Yeah, greater accomplishments and working towards the future instead of constantly fixing what is messed up in the here and now. Right. And so what is trust? I went deep in the internet taking a look at what the definition of trust is. And this particular definition really struck me. There are three elements of trust, and they are predictability, dependability, and faith in your partner. Mm. What do we mean by each of these things? Well, let's break it down. Predictability. It is defined as having no awkward or alarming curveballs coming your way. You can say what you mean. You're not erratic in your actions and your outcomes. When you're a predictable person, it means that somebody doesn't have to spend time being concerned about what you're going to do next. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. For sure. Now, dependability includes three elements. There's a relationship, a promise, and a price. Knowing you will do what you say even if it means foregoing other pleasures in the moment, or even if it means foregoing an easier path in the moment. Okay. So the third part is faith. And faith can be defined as resting at ease with your partner's freedom within the relationship, knowing that their freedom is well-deserved. Can you explain that a little bit better? Yeah, sure. Faith in one's partner means that you can rest easy with their freedom in the sense that they can go to the store. They can go to the gym. You're not scared. They're out screwing around, breaking the rules. Ah. So you don't have any anxiety over the agency and freedom of your partner in their daily comings and goings, for example. Got it. So, so that's what I mean. There's a lack of insecurity there's a lack of ins- your partner's actions. Right, right. There's a resting at ease with your partner's freedom. Because you know that they're equally committed to you. Exactly. And, and they've proven themselves to be a trustworthy person. Correct. Because they are predictable and dependable in the things that they do and say. Yeah. Nice. I love it. So that is trust. And trust is crucial, foundational, and one of the hardest things to reestablish once it has been compromised. Mm -hmm. So any person that's wanting to have a relationship with integrity would do well to try not to blow that one. Absolutely. And it can be built 
back, there are, I have seen and personally have reestablished trust within relationships. But, oh man, it is such a hard road to hoe. It's a very difficult path. And quite honestly, more often than not, I'd be willing to say that once you've blown trust in a relationship, you're not going to get it back. And it, it, it depends on to what degree, but yeah. So the next thing I was going to talk about is clear communication. Mm, yes, number two, clear right? communication. You got to be direct. You got to be effective. There is a professor of counseling at the University of Texas, San Antonio named Chris Leith, and he explained that communication consists of two parts, expressing and listening. Makes sense. You got to pay attention and you need to be able to express yourself. So expressing and listening are the two elements of communication and each one is a talent in its own right? Absolutely. That yeah. makes sense. So by expressing, it's both partners have found their own way to adequately convey their own needs, their wants in a way that the other can hear and understand. Right. Because if I say I need something, but it doesn't make sense to you, how are you going to be able to help me get that need fulfilled? Right. Right. And of course, on the converse end, listening. Both partners are able to hear what the other is saying and can grasp what is being conveyed. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So there's expressing and there's listening. The mm -hmm. person doing the expressing has the responsibility to communicate clearly. And then the person listening has the responsibility of receiving the information clearly. So each person has a responsibility there. Because in listening, you can be an unclear listener just as much as you can be an unclear speaker. The listening can be faulty as well because you're bringing into it like your own interpretations or your own drama in your head. So I actually think that listening tends to be the hardest part of communication because a lot of us were waiting to react. We're waiting to respond. We're waiting to speak instead of holding space and trying to hear what the other person is conveying without putting our own spin on it, without trying to jump to conclusions. You just got to sit there and you got to try to hear what they're saying, even if it's with subtext. That is so totally true. And it just keeps going back to like one of my big mantras about getting rid of the ego. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like very Buddhist and all that. Well, I just said holding space. So so, yeah, let's... Uh... <laughs> clang, clang, clang. So anyway, woo-woo uh, alert is off. And <clears throat> But it is. It's all about removing your ego, especially when listening. Because when listening, there is so much of you trying to reinforce your own story that you've built mm -hmm. up about a certain situation. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to speak, well, that part is obvious. You're trying to reinforce your own story, right? But both of them are prone to flaw. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's a good idea to come at them with lack of ego and with intent to clearly convey and clearly receive. Mm -hmm. I think it's clearly connect. And if we remember when the other person is speaking, it is not about us. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's not about us. Even if they're talking about us, it is their need to express that we need to be able to receive. Yeah. You know, you use the word connect all the time. And I think that's kind of one of the spines of your personality. You're a person who reaches for connection. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that kind of reaches for creation. You reach for connection. And I think together it's obvious why we're making this particular podcast. But you do. You have to be able to connect with your loved one. You have to express yourself honestly and openly and resolve any conflicts that arise with this skill. And also be able to receive 
honestly and openly, the <laughs> communication being made. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, thank you for that. I came across this review from 2018 of 15 different studies, and I can leave the link in the show notes. It uh, shows that couples are more satisfied in relationships where both partners use communication skills like making constructive statements and being able to clarify the other partner's intended meaning. Mm, yeah. So, you know, you whittle away until you have the truth. You pare down, you simplify, you keep judoing the ego out of the way as you communicate until you come to the rightest, cleanest, most well-focused piece of communication you can have. Right. Well, and it's kind of like a tennis parry. A partner serves the ball and they say, I need to express this. And then the other partner receives it and they're like, is this what you mean? Whack. You know? And so <laughs> it goes back and forth until you know for sure that you are understanding each other on the same level. Yeah. Dating. So, you know, don't smack it into the net, yo. So it's important to create some kind of pattern or some kind of technique by which you can come at this skill on like a regular basis Absolutely. because it's good to touch base with people on a regular basis because things are constantly changing. And we do need to incorporate healthy habits into our relationships and just into our daily lives. So a lot of couples create a ritual in their relationships hmm. uh, by regularly checking in with each other. Now, and... you mean like giant raging bonfires in the middle of the woods with chicken feathers and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> No, Goober. I'm talking more like lighting some candles, grabbing a glass of wine, turning on some music, or just making it completely silent depending on yours and your partner's needs. And just finding space within your consistent schedule to have time together and having a safe space to talk about the things you need to talk about. So sort of a state of the union date. <laughs> on a weekly basis. Hmm. Or, you know, daily basis or monthly basis. Whatever works best for for your lives, of course. But yeah, just making it a part of your consistent, healthy life together. Mm -hmm. So basically you create this little ritual by doing a candle maybe or a glass of wine together or sitting in a particular space in your house. Say you've got like the, the yummy reading sofa or something. Go there. So have your favorite drink at hand, whether it's alcohol or fruit juice or acai or whatever. Wait, is acai even a drink? I don't know these things. Acai juice is a drink. But okay. yeah, or it could be kombucha or mate or, you know. Or a cup of Earl Grey tea. Whatever it is that you guys like. Yeah, whatever it is you have in common together as a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever brings you pleasure. So Marco and I, we enjoy, you know, either grabbing a glass of wine or a little thing of tequila or just some water even, mm -hmm. setting some nice lights because we're all about lighting, yeah. as our friends will attest to. And in the future, we're actually going to be doing an episode about, you know, how to hack your environment to mm -hmm. promote feelings of well-being and romance in your relationship yeah, and lighting is going to be a big spaces. part of it let me tell you but anyway for right now just setting a, a tone for proper communication really and it can be soft and it can be romantic and and all of that but it doesn't necessarily have to be it all depends on who you are as people just a, a set of cues that help establish a vibe conducive to communication and then just get down to it give yourself in a safe space yeah give yourselves like an hour out of like the week to do this this can help keep partners on the same page about relationship needs it, that that's really important. It is really important. What's the next thing you want to talk about, Marco? Another good sign that you have a healthy relationship is that you and your partner are independent human beings. It can't really be overstressed. It's crucial that you have your own distinct identity independent of the relationship and independent of each other. A lot of people get lost like that. 
And honestly, what you brought to the relationship is you. Therefore, you should hold on to that. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing that attracted the other person. So aside from all the stuff that you end up developing in common, keep your own interests, hobbies, your own friends, and most importantly, your own personal time. Because only when you regard yourself as an individual can you clearly identify and communicate your own needs and desires to your loved one. I 100% know what you mean. I think it's incredibly important for each of us to have a sense of identity as our own people and really know the value that we bring to a relationship, knowing the strengths that we can provide, knowing the unique, fun, awesome aspects of our personalities. The only value you're bringing to your relationship is you. <laughs> yep. That's the only thing you ever can be. So just be the strongest you possible. So, and if we subsume ourselves into the relationship and lose who we are, then kind of don't have much we can give. Yeah. So obviously in a relationship, you have to work as a team. Mm -hmm. Relationship is about building something greater than just you, but just you and just the other person is kind of what it's made of. So yeah, you'll have activities and friends together as a couple. All healthy couples do that. Mm -hmm. But healthy couples also avoid subsuming their individual personalities for the sake of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's this uh, quote from PhD Emily Jordan Jensen, and I just want to you know shout out to her because I'm using her quote specifically. Uh, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and a professor of behavioral health at University of Minnesota. So shout out to her. She says, intimate relationships are all about finding a balance between I and we. I love that. Let me say that again. And I quote, intimate relationships are all about finding the balance between I and we. You meditate on that. Let it sit there. No, I really love that. So the fourth sign that you are in a healthy and happy relationship is the showing of mutual appreciation. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Studies have shown that partner appreciation is one of the key predictors of whether couples enjoy relationship satisfaction. Huh. What do you mean by that? So we all need acknowledgement, right? And we all crave praise. We are in relationships partly because those things are awesome and we need them on a consistent basis. And being in a relationship, it should be an incubator to keep our healthy self-esteem going. Right. What is the point in being in a relationship if you don't feel loved or well-regarded? Yeah, that makes sense. The relationship as an incubator for your healthy self-esteem. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Again, it helps us be the best versions of ourselves and... You know, let's use it as that whole healthy mirror self-esteem thing. So it's kind of your acknowledgement and praise partner. Yeah, we're each other's cheerleaders. Right. It's like when you have a coach who's your accountability partner or a trainer or whatever, you know, your other partner in the relationship can be an acknowledgement and praise partner. I like it. Healthy self-esteem. And of course, that doesn't mean blowing a bunch of smoke up you. It means just regarding positively the things you are and communicating that. Again, it goes with our whole aspect of living life with integrity and appreciation. So the things that we are grateful for, I feel we tend to have more of in our lives. Mm. And if we express appreciation and gratitude for all the awesomeness our partner brings to our mutual endeavors, well, it only goes to show that they are going to want to reciprocate. They're going to want to spend more time with you. And it keeps us in a positive mindset, which will help balance our conflicts more easily. That is how the secret of mindset is applied to your relationship. Mm -hmm. Staying in a positive and grateful mindset allows us to have more of the good stuff. Right. That makes all the sense in the world. 
Clue number five that you may have a healthy relationship is that you both have your needs met. So good relationships are a balancing act, right? Mm -hmm. Your needs on one side and their needs on the other. And that is what was meant by Dr. Emily Jordan Jensen when she said that the intimate relationships are all about finding a balance between I and we, is that you both have your needs met. That balancing act with your needs on one side and their needs on the other uh, your mutual needs are kind of a ballast in the middle, you know, that you're working together on. Mm-hmm. But you still have your individual needs. Quality time, though, communication, sex, time with your own community, comfort, workplace demands. There are so many things that pull on each individual. And a relationship is where partner's needs are balanced. And that's healthier than where needs are out of balance, obviously. If one person is getting all their needs met and the other person isn't, that's a controlling relationship. Mm -hmm. Or a sign of dysfunction at the very least. At the very least. And if nobody is having their needs met, it could be a codependent relationship. Just avoid all that. So the key to ensuring balanced needs is effective communication and enough independence to know what your needs are in the first place. Mm. Yes. Number six, moving on, is compassionate disagreements. Mm. So as we all know, conflict is a natural part of relationships. I challenge you on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are all imperfect little monkeys, but being able to resolve conflict is a sign of a healthy relationship. Resolving it selflessly. Resolving it selflessly. It's going back to getting your ego out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. We are we are not as important as our ego likes to tell us we are. So unacknowledged and unresolved conflicts are a sign you could have some trouble. A perceived lack of conflict or a lack of disagreement could be a sign you're just ignoring your problems like rose-colored glasses, Mm. everything's fine. Oh my God, we never fight. You do that whole Stepford Bride thing of like, (laughs) everything's perfect. Everything's perfect. That's kind of scary. I'm so blessed. Yeah, to me, that's the same thing as a politician smiling all the time. It's like, you can't trust that. No, that's not real. Because if you have a human relationship, you're going to have a little bit of conflict. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. And we all have conflict. You and I get into it from time to time, and it happens. We are, again, imperfect little monkeys. Yeah, and these aren't existential conflicts necessarily. It can be as mundane as which way you load the toilet paper roll. (laughs) And the correct way is over. That's right. Under (laughs) is for insane people. It literally wasn't designed that way. So So, yeah, I want to get back to that perceived lack of conflict or perceived lack of disagreement uh, because that could be like a sign of codependency. Well, of course, if the entire point of your relationship is to avoid conflict and sweep things under the rug because you absolutely need that relationship to continue because without it you are nothing it's a sign of codependency that's a sign of dysfunction yeah been there done that that kind of avoidance of conflict can definitely evolve into resentfulness and incompatibility in the future. Mm-hmm. And again, you can always expect conflict because we are human. But as long as your conflict resolution focuses on respect, compassion, and coming from a place of integrity, mm. they are wonderful opportunities for us to learn from each other, learn about yourself, your needs, your partner's needs, 
and make the relationship a better one because it's addressing those little issues. So instead of seeing conflict as a thing to be avoided or a thing to be feared, you can use conflict as an opportunity for growth instead of a sign that your relationship is somehow flawed? I mean, it's a fantastic way. So for example, I make the coffee in the morning usually and Marco likes it not nearly as strong as I do. So he says, hey, thanks for making the coffee. Could you make it a little weaker for me? Yeah. I'm not going to take it as a sign of, I'm the worst. You hate me. You're going to leave me because the coffee isn't the way you want it. <laughs> I hope not, because that isn't my intention to drive you away because of my coffee preferences. But again, it's not taking it personally. It's getting my ego out of the way. It's understanding that he prefers it in a different manner. And that's cool. Moving on to the seventh sign that you have a healthy relationship is that you are really good at conflict resolution. Speaking of, it's the whole compassionate disagreements thing. It's very related because people in strong relationships, they work together to neutralize conflict. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of how committed they are to the relationship. You know, they don't let things shake the stability of the partnership. No matter how large the conflict is, approach it with the mentality of how willing you are to remain in this relationship despite this momentary setback. Whether you did a little bad thing or a giant bad thing, it can be dealt with in this way. And if you have to take a timeout, take a damn timeout. It's more effective to wait until your emotions have settled than it is to jump into an argument when you or both of you are hot under the collar. You may say or do things that will only cause farther regret. So instead, you know, just say, hey, love you. Gotta cool down before we continue. And just GTFO, man. Yeah, take some time to yourself and you're going to be able to come back together in a calmer and more loving circumstance. Yeah, take a walk in the park, go to the library, read some roomy, take a cold shower, whatever it is that you need to do in order to reset. Jump in the swimming pool, scream in the swimming pool, come back up for a breath, whatever it is that you need to do. <laughs> just go do that in order to get that flow of like chemical like emotions out of your system. And then when you come back, get your ego out of the way, be ready to listen as much as you talk and start again. Mm -hmm. And I love when I see relationships like this. It's yeah. Fantastic. Well, the way I see it, being good at resolving conflict is proof of mutual respect, which is the first one. It's proof of good communication. It's proof of trust. It's proof of appreciation. That's how these all work together, just like the weird dysfunctions worked together in the previous episode. These signs that you're in a good relationship, a healthy relationship, they all interweave. So it's kind of like Star Trek where you have the original universe and then you have the mirror universe. You're such a dweeb. <laughs> but, what? Everyone can, can, can relate to Star Trek, right? And I, I can't even believe I'm using this example. I don't know what you've done to me. but oh, I know you have a kink for evil Spock. <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> Spock yeah. can be evil. Goatee Spock. Spock, you know, goatee evil Spock. Ooh, yeah. From the mirror universe. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to bring up, okay, this 2019 study showed that problem solving together as a couple creates higher likelihoods of relationship satisfaction. So problem solving together as a couple, it's a constructive togetherness exercise. So when you resolve a conflict, it brings about a perception of mutual collaboration and mm -hmm. respect between the partners and a feeling of empowerment for each individual and for the relationship. It usually leads to increased intimacy, which has its own fringe benefits. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that, you know, that just made me think of 
doing projects together is a really great way to train with conflict resolution. So and what better project than the strengthening of the relationship itself after you've had a conflict? Right. And there are definitely examples of spending too much time like just focusing on your relationship. I have seen people go into these like spirals of overprocessing. Yeah. But what I'm thinking about is say you you go and plant flowers in your yard together, hmm. right? There are going to be things that come up while you plant the flowers. Oh no, should we put it over here? Oh, I ran into some roots or what are we going to do with irrigation? Mm. So then it gives you and your partner the chance to problem solve when it's not necessarily incredibly crucial or a life and death moment between you. But then you can take those skills that you have honed together mm -hmm. when you do happen to come into a relationship conflict. I see that. Mm -hmm. I see that. Problem solving in other projects will help you increase your talent in problem solving in your relationship. Yeah. So it's not just spending quality time together. It's also really great training for when things get sticky. Hmm. Uh, on the opposite side of that, number eight is taking time alone. Hmm. Yes. Taking your alone time. So time apart is incredibly important to our personal health and the health of our relationships. We all need time alone to decompress from all societal expectations. Yes, even the expectations of our beloved partners, hmm. because we need space for ourselves, even if you don't do much with it. It can just be nice and calm. It's an opportunity for our brains to reset and decompress. So it's different for each person. Your mileage may vary. Uh, you could do a solo journey of adventure, a cross-country drive, a walk in the park on your own. Mm. I'm a big fan of working out, so I do that oftentimes by myself. It's just my space where I don't have to think about anybody else. It's me being present in my own body and being by myself and feeling good with it. But it could be taking a bubble bath, cleaning your tools in the garage, your chopping wood. Jog. Yeah, or just chilling out by yourself watching YouTube or listening to an awesome podcast. And also, it can be hanging out with your own set of friends. Right. Doesn't have to be just by yourself, but time apart from your partner is important. It's that whole thing of keeping our, our own identity. I enjoy planning girls' nights with my best girlfriends. Mm. You know, we call it Sparta reunion because it's a bunch of badass bitches. Don't it's... ever stand between the Sparta bitches and big hole in the ground. <laughs> we can be pretty intense. You don't. You definitely don't want to get in the way. But yeah, it it really fills part of my soul. It, it fills me with joy. Spending time with my sisters, spending time with my dear friends. Where yeah, sure, I can talk about my relationship, but mostly we just we enjoy spending time together and talking about all the things we're doing in our lives. Right. And on the partner side of that equation, being all right with your time spent apart is a sign of trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's unhealthy to obsess about your partner when they're not with you. That's kind of a codependent thing. It's like, oh, where are they really? Are they actually with friends? Are they actually at the gym? Having these thoughts without any clear and logical reason is probably a sign that you got to work on your trust. Well, yeah. And it's obviously it's coming from a, an insecure form of attachment as opposed to a secure attachment. So what we're talking about today are all aspects of a secure attachment to yeah. your partner or partners. Mm -hmm. So yeah, members of healthy relationships do take time for themselves and they're happy for the other partner. They are happy that their partner is doing what they need. And so they support them in that. Yeah. 
So sign number nine that you're in a healthy relationship is that you guys are physically intimate, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. wow. Touch, physical intimacy, mutual sexuality, there are crucial aspects of strong relationships. You're in this relationship to experience pleasure, however you define it, and to feel safe in doing so. It's kind of a partnership to create that space. Mm -hmm. And also, there's no magic number or set of rules for how often to touch each other or to have the sex. The importance of physical intimacy or sexuality will vary greatly from individual to individual, couple to couple. It will often change as well as the relationship evolves. Some people may even be most comfortable in a relationship that doesn't express itself sexually at all. There are plenty of asexual people. Mm -hmm. But most relationships need at least a little physical intimacy. And I don't mean like necessarily a, a sexual gesture, but like touch. Just like when you and I are sitting on the couch together or reading our tablets or whatever and our toes are touching. Mm -hmm. That is a physical intimacy at the most basic minor level. You just got to keep it going though, because the bottom line is that you and your partner have a set of physical needs. So you agree on what those are and the relationship needs to allow for those needs to be fulfilled. Yeah, it's it's making it a priority to include it in your, your life on a consistent basis. Indeed. I like what you said the other day about micro intimacies, finding ways to integrate Trademark. those micro intimacies Trademark. into our daily lives is a way to keep things healthy, happy, and connected. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, hey, you want to finish us off on this list of 10? I will be happy to finish it off with this list of 10. And this one is huge for me. Number 10, you are both committed. Ooh, that is a sure sign of a healthy relationship. Yeah, because if it's one person pulling all the weight, that is not a relationship. It's not a partnership. You got to be in it to win it. Boom. So according to Merriam-Webster, the essential meaning of commitment is one, a promise to do or give something. Two, a promise to be loyal to someone or something. Or three, the attitude of someone who works very hard to do or support something. All three of these apply to our relationships. Yeah, this is all true. Yeah, all three of those meanings of the word commitment apply. Yeah. So for any relationship to evolve and grow strong, both partners must want to be a part of it equally. Both partners are promising to do or give certain things. Mm. They promise to be loyal to the other or to the ideals in the relationship, and they exhibit the driven attitude of somebody who is committed to working hard to upholding the relationship. Right. The result of this is a greater feeling of security and appreciation that is felt by all partners involved. Hmm. I came across another review. This is from 2020. And again, the link is in the notes. Uh, it's 43, 43 different studies discovered that the single greatest factor determining relationship satisfaction is the feeling that one's partner is committed to you in the relationship. That is like the determining factor for relationship satisfaction. Wow. That is, is a lot of studies all concluding the same thing. Absolutely. That must mean it's pretty important. It means that it's probably true. <laughs> 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 that the determining factor of your own relationship satisfaction is knowing that your partner is committed to you. Yeah, committed, that you can depend on them, that you can trust them, that they are just as excited and inspired to be a part of this as you are. Right. Makes sense to me. I love it. So really, there's no cookie cutter set of prerequisites. Obviously, this is a list of 10 that we came up with, but there are others. And these are the most widely agreed upon signs that you're going 
moving in the right direction in your relationship. Yes, relationships are work, but we feel that the rewards are absolutely worth it. Bottom line is, you gotta know what makes you feel happy and fulfilled, and to have the space for that in your relationship. And you gotta know that you're both meeting not only each other's needs, but your own as well. It's about balance and commitment. It is. So I hope that list was helpful. Well, that's it for our show today. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for joining us. And remember, as always, you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash how to love forever and Instagram at how the numeral two love forever. We'd love to hear anything you have to share about the awesome things in your relationships. Absolutely. And if you are so full of love that you just can't stop loving, we would love for you to join our community on Patreon. We have a wide range of options for relationship levels that you can choose from and quite honestly you know the higher the commitment uh, the more stuff you're probably gonna get yeah we're gonna do more and more and more so in a previous episode we talked about how to identify dysfunction in your relationships which this episode was sort of the antidote for in that episode we also identified the difference between dysfunction and relationship abuse because we feel it's very important to make that distinction so join us next week when we interview beth flory the executive director of safe house nevada we were incredibly fortunate to be able to to interview her as she shares from her many years of experience helping women and children escape and heal from abusive relationships. Some of what she had to tell us is absolutely heartbreaking. However, it's also incredibly inspiring. Mm. We think you are going to find it just as fascinating as we did, and we really look forward to sharing it with you. So until then, lovebirds, remember, love deep, love hard, love, love forever. forever. Bye, love chickens. <laughs>